Three kids, one house, one blind inhabitant, $300,000 potential score. Sounds like the perfect crime. And it would have been, if not for the small detail, that the blind man in question is a tough-as-nails veteran with expert hearing who has memorized his house's floor plan to a T, and it's keeping a teenage girl captive in his basement. All hell breaks loose pretty damn fast in the 2016 home invasion thriller, Don't Breathe. I'm Connor Azagari. I'm Josh Allred. And this is Filmgasm. Happy Wednesday, everyone, and welcome to the 149th episode of the Filmgasm podcast. Only one more week until we're celebrating 150 episodes over two and a half years of Filmgasm. Uh, Who'd have thought? (laughs) Yeah, right. I mean, first thing I'll say is to all the listeners, you're welcome. You're welcome. No, no, I'm kidding. No, it's us that should be thanking you for keeping us around and, you know, any... Any and all uh, communication that you guys bring to us, emails. I'm still waiting for people to tweet at me on the internet. It'll happen, I'm sure. Um, yeah, no, it's this is something I've always wanted to do, and I've I've told you plenty of times. I am uh, I'm, I'm very uh, I'm very happy that uh, you guys <clears throat> allowed me to come in and have some fun. Oh, absolutely, man. We're happy to have you. This is uh, something I'd, I'd always wanted to do. Never had the people around me to make it happen. And I found them. And I'm so grateful. This is uh, regardless of you know how many listens we get. The fact that anybody out there cares what we have to say is amazing. So thank you so much for everyone who's tuned into even one of these shows. And boy, do we have a treat for you. <laughs> oh yeah more about what we got planned at the end of today's show uh but yeah it's gonna be fun uh today's effort is don't breathe figured it would be appropriate since don't breathe two comes out on friday uh so josh what was your experience with don't breathe uh i think i had seen it want to say when i was on deployment um i don't know how much caleb has said about it uh in terms of how movies are kind of like currency on on a ship um the uh the commercial as well as the more um carnal i'll i'll put it mildly um yeah like um people are swapping hard drives and you know doing all that kind of stuff um there is a guy that had a business card i'm not kidding you and I was uh, I was in the head. That's the bathroom for you civilians. And I was walking out. And there's a dude over there. He's like, "Hey man, uh, you know anybody that uh, that wants some movies or something?" I was like, "I just washed my hands." But like, what? Like, what are you talking about? It's like, here's my card. Literally, he had on his card. He had his name, the number to his birthing, so you could call and ask for him, as well as like a little breakdown of like his pricing for movies and stuff. I was just like, the first thing I'm that pops into my head, it's going like, you're not going to have anything for me, bud. <laughs> I have a very refined palette. Um, but yeah, like I think somebody had had, I don't know if it was Caleb, but somebody had it 
And it's just one of those things, you know, you come downstairs at any time when you're, when you're not working and somebody's got something on TV, could be sports, could be somebody playing a video game or somebody's watching a movie. And I think it came on and I caught it right at the beginning and I was like, Oh, all right. Yeah. See what this is all about. And I think that was the first time I caught it. I think seeing like Fetty Alvarez's name attached to it, Sam Raimi producing those kinds of things. I, it, it, it gave me a little more uh, optimism because usually if it's something new and, and I haven't heard about it, not that I'm saying that in a condescending manner, but, um, if I hadn't heard about it, it's like, okay, well, then what am I really getting into? However, I do really enjoy going into a movie blind because you're just, you're, you're allowing yourself in that moment to let something unfold in front of you. And I think a lot of that gets spoiled today by trailers getting rammed down your throat, everybody wanting to be the first to get their word out and so everybody else can hinge on what they have to say about something when it's just an opinion, you know, even, even lauded critics like, you know, Malton or Ebert or whoever it, I, I don't really care what they have to say because their views and their opinions don't mean the same to me. So yeah, I went in totally blind, haha, unintended. And I really enjoyed it ending aside and all and and as crazy as it gets all of that together good experience because it gives you something to talk about at the end by the end of it you're like what the fuck like you feel betrayed by that movie you feel betrayed because you're like how dare you how dare you make me choose and then you're like oh shit you made me choose the wrong how dare you yeah it's good stuff that's that's totally true yeah there's no good decision here you're either rooting for the the blind man who is inseminating teenagers or the assholes who decided to rob a blind guy <laughs> oh and then even like the, the girl in the basement she ran over a child and got away with it yeah so- and which which in and of itself has a little comment on because that's how he that's how the blind man felt you know it's like rich girls don't go to jail it that that says something and in 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 a movie that doesn't have a lot to say like that's probably one of the bigger statements it makes yeah i think you know don't rob a blind guy isn't exactly you know the more you know (laughs) (laughs) i i saw this movie with my mom uh we go to see horror movies if it's something that she thinks won't scare her too much and don't breathe. We're like, this is going well. And then the insemination thing starts up and I'm like, fuck, <laughs> I'm just like not connecting eyes. I can hear my mom going like, Oh, like, Oh God. Like just completely disgusted. <laughs> like afterwards, we just didn't talk about it. <laughs> so, so I don't really have a lot of like, that's, that's the only time I saw this until I watched it for this show. And I'm pretty much in the same spot that you cut that bit out. And I, I, I like this movie. It's a good home invasion, kind of a dark home alone, but with this just giant elephant in the room, it's a completely different movie now and it's gross and uncomfortable. And I get why 
you know, it, 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 it could be, you know, part of a whole and the whole works. I get that. Just, I guess just didn't ring for me. And that happens. I, I mean, you and Caleb know I'm fucking choosy when it comes to horror movies. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. I, I think, I think the way you approach movies for the most part, especially given the fact that you are a writer and you, you, you tend to gravitate and hold to the narrative of a film a lot more and hold it to that standard. Um, this is, this is definitely, if nothing else, this movie should have showed M. Night Shyamalan, like, no, motherfucker, this is a twist. Like, <laughs> that, I'd, I never saw, I never saw that coming. And, God, all these, oh. all these unintentional puns, I'm just, I'm just dropping here. Just dropping. It's probably not going to be the last one. Uh, <laughs> um, but, yeah, like, it's. It's it's one of these exercises in in testing your audience for sure because right off the jump you're introduced to a gang of thieves like people you should not be rooting for and even though they they tried to give um, Jane Levy's character Rocky a nice little bit of motivation a little bit of purpose behind what she's doing i still didn't like her i mean she was still going through this and wasn't going to care who she stepped over to get it done and i i won't say she totally deserved what happened however that was that was that was the bear trap she stepped in and I don't know. You kind of get what you deserve at that point, but yeah. Fuck. <laughs> That's a hot take. Um, yeah. I mean, I think she did her, she deserved some kind of comeuppance, but not that, you know, that might be a bit much for her. Uh, but yeah, they're all just despicable. Alex, to an extent, want, and doesn't want to do this. He, he kind of I mean, they don't really, you know, step on his foot too much. They like all they all she does is say please, and he's like, "All right, I'm in." Well, obviously, it's and and even though they're pretty uh, they're pretty paper thin, the other two male characters, um, you definitely know that he's he's got he's got some feelings for her. Yeah, and that terrible like this. When when I first heard that that character's name Money, I was like, I don't like this guy already. Like <laughs> this guy is an idiot. Like those two clearly, like they just they were gonna go at some point. I was surprised that the Alex character stuck around as long as he did, and I feel like he was only there to help Rocky out to get out of the house up to and, and including the moment that he died and the remote was conveniently in his hand. Um, <clears throat> I don't know how, how much you've watched the, um, the cinema sins videos on YouTube. So I watched the one for this and they brought that up and I was like, yeah, okay, I'll give that to you. It's a little too convenient, whatever. Um, for the most part, I feel like a lot of those things are very, very nitpicky and I'm just like, 
now you're just trying now you're just reaching um but yeah like even i don't know i didn't like the alex kid i felt like he was he was kind of like trying to use his dad's business and everything as a way to kind of earn her affection in a way if that makes sense that's the sense that i got yeah i mean his dad's you know, running a security business and they're stealing keys and robbing houses. This is what they've been doing. This isn't their first time. They're not like, hey, you know, we got to pay for some somebody's surgery or we got to get out of it. It's all just like we need more money and we're not making enough money. They steal just under 10K. So there's no felony charge. <laughs> like they've thought this out. Oh, yeah. Yeah. This ain't like this is not spur of the moment. This is premeditated as shit. Uh, but we'll get to that. So Don't Breathe was directed by Fetty Alvarez, who also directed the 2013 remake of Evil Dead and 2018's The Girl in the Spider's Web. Alvarez made Don't Breathe as a reaction to the response Evil Dead was getting in some circles. Some people saw it as a mindless gore fest that lacked originality, relied too much on shocking the audience. So Alvarez put pen to paper, made a relatively bloodless film based off an original idea, which became Don't Breathe. People were calling him a hack. He's like, fuck that. And he made something original that ended up being a huge success. I admire that big time. Well, check this out. There's something else. Like after I watched this, I watched a couple of special features. um, And then I watched a review where somebody had pointed out that this movie feels oddly familiar to uh, panic room. Okay. And I've actually never seen panic room. I only saw like the trailer for it or whatever. Um, there were a couple of times the guy was kind of reaching, but then he was pointing out things like the fact that like money and Jared Leto's character pretty much look exactly the same. Um, there are a couple of plot points and then even the ending credits were structured kind of like the opening credits of panic room. So it's like, Who's really telling the truth here? But I will also say that I probably will. The ending aside, I would probably still enjoy Don't Breathe more than Panic. But I have yet to see it, so I can't really say that for sure. I haven't seen Panic Room either, so I can't judge that. But these days, you know, original idea today does not mean what it meant in like 1985. Original idea now means if you can basically remake a movie without letting people know that you remade a movie. It's an original idea. Sure. Or if it's, if it's kind of like, uh, it's an analogy I use a lot. If it's like a good cover, like you kind of make it your own in a way, which to go back to his version of the evil dead, I think, I think what it showed was kind of like what that, what that movie could have been if Raimi had played it straight, which for all intents and purposes, the first evil Dead is kind of played pretty straight up. The, the, the effects kind of take you out of it a little bit, but I could also see how in 1980, 81, that would have just blown people's minds. Um, And it's still, I still enjoy it. Um, But I think what he did was he definitely played it really, really straight and was not afraid to get gory and spill the blood, which fans were expecting. Um, there are like minor plot points and stuff that I didn't like about the movie, uh, but for what it was, 
I didn't, I didn't hate it. And I still don't hate it. Yeah. I'm in the same boat. I'm a massive evil dead fan. And I wanted to hate the remake for the second I saw a trailer, but then I went and saw it and I'm like, you know what? Okay. You, you get a pass. It's not bad. Um, I don't know if I've don't breathe is good to an extent. I, I wouldn't, I don't really have a lot of feelings on Fede Alvarez as a filmmaker. I thought evil dead was okay. I thought don't breathe was okay. He's not really a guy I think about in terms of career. You know, I'm kind of waiting for him to wow me still. I think, I think what I'm waiting for, for him is a string of things that is coming straight from him because he is attached to the latest Texas Chainsaw remake that's coming around. And I think what, what I am seeing from him is that he knows how to create an aesthetic. He knows how to create a, an environment, a world, if you will, mm-hmm. with, his, with his movies. But I also feel like he can, he, he almost is like painting himself into a corner almost with like, it's like, knowing nothing about it, I, I almost feel like visually his Texas Chainsaw Massacre even though I, I don't think he's directing it. I think he's just producing it. I think it's, I think it's going to have some visual similarities to the evil dead, but that's just me just totally pulling something out of my ass. You're probably right though. Um, he's, he's a producer and I think he's got a story credit as well. Uh, and I've heard this one is going to be like they did with Halloween, you know, direct sequel to the first film. So maybe this will have a bit more to say than the rest of the Texas chainsaw sequels. But, you know, I don't know. We'll see. Um, Stephen Lang plays the blind man who the impending sequel will reveal is named Norman Nordstrom. Of course, Lang will reprise the role in Don't Breathe 2. He's mostly known for playing psychotic army colonel Miles Korich in 2009's Avatar, a role he is planning to reprise for Avatar 2, 3, 4, and 5, all the way through 2028. <laughs> You know, part of me wants to admire the commitment to like with the cast and with Cameron, but also who is this for? Like who is waiting for Avatar 2345? I'm not. <laughs> That's for damn sure. I mean, Avatar, it's cool. Like the first time you watch it. I think after a while, it just feels like somebody made a movie to please themselves in a way, if that makes sense kind of like the cinematic form of jerking off. That's like, that's whoa. James Cameron. That's what he that's what he's always done. Right, but this is the guy that gave us one of the best fucking Terminator fucking sequels ever ever. Oh, and by the way, fucking Aliens, like come on. Like this guy knows how to make good movies, good movies. Yeah. I don't know. I don't like <laughs> I left out South Park was kind of making fun of it and calling it dances with smurfs and shit um (laughs) but yeah like i don't i don't know i'm not i didn't really i didn't really enjoy avatar like it didn't really wow me like visually yes visually stunning amazing awesome but it wasn't i wasn't really engaged with it well just from a story perspective like they've done that so many times it's it's nothing special it's pocahontas it's dances with wolves like they just it's a familiar story. Visually, it was cool in 2009, but it, I haven't seen it since 2009. I don't know where that two and a half like billion dollar gross came from. That's insane. 
And Cameron, I mean, he has to have at least one bomb to for him to kind of wake up because his entire career has been nothing but monumental hits. And I think I, I want Avatar 2 to fail if only to just bring him down to earth for a little bit. But we'll see. I mean, if two doesn't fail, maybe three, four, and five will. I can't believe that. Five avatars. <laughs> Did you see? Okay, speaking of Stephen Lang, I don't know if this was a if this was a joke or not, but I saw something that looked like a headline from uh, an online article or whatever that said Stephen Lang read the script for Avatar Five and he cried. And I was like, what? Like, really? Really? Did you cry because you couldn't pick it up? Because then he cried because he realized like. Oh my God, I'm committed for 2028 with this thing. Oh my God, I got to do four more of these. <laughs> Just hope the check's clear by then. Oh my God. My favorite James Cameron South Park thing was when they recruited him to raise the bar. <laughs> that was so clever. <laughs> James Cameron. So funny. Uh, <laughs> Lang has also appeared in films such as Tombstone. Manhunter, Public Enemies, Gettysburg, and The Men Who Stare at Goats. Uh, I always forget Men Who Stare at Goats. He's the crazy guy at the beginning, just staring at the wall. <laughs> yeah, he was really good in VFW, too, which came oh. out a couple of years ago. Yeah, I remember that one. I didn't get to see that one yet. Oh, man, it's good stuff. <laughs> uh, Jane Levy plays Rocky, who is after the money so she can get her little sister away from their abusive mother. You don't need 300 k to do that. Uh, Levy also starred in 2013's Evil Dead as Mia. She played Jackie Torrance in the first season of Castle Rock and starred in Zoe's Extraordinary Playlist as the eponymous Zoe. So she's been pretty successful going, you know, project to project. Uh, she's, for me, the best part of this movie in terms of talent. Uh, I like her a lot. And um, I was really hoping, I, I was really bummed when Castle Rock got canceled because I was hoping for more of, you know, the shining references and where misery was going to go. Like, I don't think that show really knew what it's, what it wanted to be, but it, I liked where it was going. I feel like that show, while it was a genius idea to, you know, use the, the fictional town as a setting within that whole universe, I, I just feel like there was too much to work with and it, it it became really, really hard to try and focus on one thing and have that be the through line for all of it. Because you get really, as a fan, you got really excited by the idea of, you know, seeing things from like Cujo or seeing the bus stop sign for Salem's Lot and all of these places and things. And you're just like, oh my God, what are they going to do? What are they gonna... I was actually fairly impressed that they decided to take Shawshank on right at the beginning. And I was like, Oh fuck. All right. Well, what are you going to give me now? And it kind of went into some interesting places and was kind of doing things. I don't want to say new necessarily, but doing something different with Stephen King's work. And I still haven't finished the second season. Although I will say at least what I got through the the Annie Wilkes stuff was really, really good. I really liked that. She was definitely a sympathetic character 
in in a way that I was not anticipating. Yeah. And then sneaking in like a new Salem's lot was pretty awesome. And I just I just I never finished it and I kept meaning to go back to it. And now that I'm saying it and it will be recorded for posterity, I can go back and say, finish watching Salem's Lot, Josh. Just finish it. <laughs> Think of Caleb and finish things. <laughs> Put it on a list. Yeah, straight up. For me with Castle Rock, I'm always I'm gonna be bummed forever that I never got confirmation that Bill Skarsgård was Randall Flag. I'm never gonna get that confirmation. I was fucking certain. And I'll never get that confirmation. So that's that's a bummer. But it can it can live forever in your head. Yeah, but what does that what does that mean? <laughs> Look, I'm trying to comfort you. Okay, stop being such a realist. <laughs> ah, such a bummer. We're getting a fucking pet cemetery prequel. Nobody's asked for, but they can't continue a show that a lot of people really enjoyed. Why did you have to remind me? <laughs> Pam Greer is in it now. That's not going to make it better. <laughs> it just tells me that Pam Greer needs to make some money. That's what I think. And that's not a knock at Pam Greer. Go get your money, girl. Go for it, please. I love watching you, Pam Greer. I think you're fucking awesome. God damn it. Why did it have to be this thing? Oh, we'll see. I, we're going to it's. When it does come out, like it will be on sneak preview. It will be talked about, and we can shit all over it when that happens. Uh, Dylan Minnette plays Alex, the sensible one who tries to talk them out of it. Minnette had a starring role on Netflix's 13 Reasons Why, and has also appeared in such films as Prisoners, Let Me In, Goosebumps, and Alexander and the Terrible, Horrible, No Good, Very Bad Day, which I thought was really funny. But I really liked that book when I was a child, so... Um, he's okay. He's basically, you know, he's, he's the nice guy friend who's trying to score by making all the wrong decisions. And, uh, he gets his, <laughs> there's yeah, so many I, like little no, moments. Ahead. It's awesome. Yeah. yeah. I just felt like he was trying to be like the moral one out of all of them. But then it's like, you're, you're stealing from people. So how do you have a conscience right now? Like, yeah get out of here like if anything it would have made more sense if he would have just totally abandoned any kind of chance he thought he had with rocky and just like got out of there and just left and just made a big alex size hole in the door and just ran right through it like that's the only i don't know i feel like that have been the the most sensible thing he could have done but then again he proved me wrong and tried to be a hero and what did he get shot yeah <laughs> and thrown out of a window and beaten up by a blind guy like you can't come back from that anyway like you got punched in the face by a blind guy he fucked you up there's so many moments in this movie where they almost escape it's so i love that tension every like when he just starts you know putting plywood against the window and they're like Fuck it, there's no way out it's it, I didn't I didn't expect that tension. And Alex is like right there at all those scenes. And you kind of like see it through his eyes a few times. Uh, we'll get to that. Alex. And then finally, we got Daniel Zavato, who plays Money. 
the dick because every heist has at least one. And this guy, I mean, he doubled down. <laughs> this was just such a such a prick. Ugh. Um, some of Zavato's films include It Follows, Lady Bird, and he had a lead role in the short-lived series Penny Dreadful City of Angels. Uh, even though he is an asshole and he is 100% in this for the money and just to fuck with people's houses. I mean, in the beginning, you know, he's pissing on people's rugs. But when the chips are down, he doesn't give up Rocky, which was fairly admirable. So, I mean, there is a heart in there. I think it's more like he's, I think he's just trying to, uh, to do the, uh, the, the, the honorable thing amongst thieves and not give anybody up. But I feel like, I feel like if he really would have known what, what trouble he was in, I think he would have pushed her in front of him at some point. I just, I, I don't, I don't want to buy his, his chivalry too much. Fair enough. Yeah. Maybe I've given him a little too much credit. He's yeah. From beginning to end, from beginning to his end, he's just like the most noble thing he could do is when he takes the hedge, the uh, hedge clipper blow for Alex as his, you know, when he's a corpse. That's pretty yeah. much, the, that's his moment of redemption. Uh, just the fact that his name is Money. Like, oh my God. I can't take him seriously. <laughs> what a douche. Don't Breathe has an IMDb score of 7.1, Rotten Tomatoes score of 88%. It was a monster hit, grossing over $157 million on a budget of a little under $10 million. Has a long-awaited sequel coming out this Friday that it will in no way come close to making that kind of money, regrettably. But I think it'll still be worth watching. I'm excited. Yeah, I think if they keep the budget, if they kept the budget modest, it could it, it could still be considered a financial success. From what I saw in the trailer, I'm just, I don't know. I, I don't know why we're getting a sequel. I wasn't really asking a lot of questions about like, ooh, what's he going to do next? Like, I'd... I don't know. Sometimes, sometimes uh, we get uh, we get a little we get a little something good. I don't know. I'm looking at the at the Wikipedia right now, and apparently, Alvarez said um, he was tweeting. Um, he wanted to know what people would prefer a sequel to: Evil Dead or Don't Breathe. And overwhelmingly, people said Evil Dead. And he was like, "Well, fuck that," and made Don't Breathe too. All right, so we got a spike movie. <laughs> okay. All right. I kind of love that. I I think that also shows that as much as fans think they have power, they're stupid sometimes. And I and I will throw myself into that ring as well because we don't always know what's right. You you could be asking those questions of the creators of certain things. And sometimes you're right. And other times you're just like, you have no idea what you're talking about. And maybe, maybe this is the, uh, the spite movie we all deserve. And we're going to be entertained by it. I feel like I've, I've mentioned this on one of these shows at some point, but I'm going to bring it up again. Cause it's a story that fits this exact situation. I, I was at a Billy Joel concert once and uh, he has so many hits that he would let the audience vote 
between two songs from time to time. And there was one time during the show where he, it was the entertainer versus keeping the faith and keeping the faith is kind of a shit song. So I wanted the entertainer. Well, he has them. He has people applaud. Like who wants the entertainer? Woo. Who wants keeping the faith? Woo. And the applause for keeping the faith was overwhelmingly bigger. And then he just says, all right. And breaks right into the entertainer. Like he didn't give a fuck what we wanted. He has his set list and he's going to play it. But it's that illusion of choice. It makes us feel good, but we don't get any fucking say in what these guys do. That's, that's great. You go Billy Joel. Just saying, fuck you. You already paid your money. What are you going to do? Leave now? I haven't even done piano, man. I gotta say it was a great show he played pretty much every hit he's ever had it was so much fun <laughs> all right let's talk don't breathe this oddball film that has a sequel coming out five years later that nobody asked for um so right off the bat i think it's it was satisfying as shit to see the blind man just fuck up money I, like right there you get your choice like, are you with the thieves or are you with the blind guy? And I went with the blind guy because I'm like, yeah, fuck this guy up. It's, it's, good, it's a good scene. Well, so I'll even, I'll even back it up a little bit more. And the opening of the movie. Yeah. I, while I, I really liked the, the big, like, uh, drone shots of the, the neighborhood and all that stuff. I really didn't want to see him dragging her on the street. I just felt like that was tipping your hand in a way and kind of showing you what's going to happen to this girl before you even like get introduced or have any kind of context for it. So yeah. maybe that was misplaced, whatever. That's like my only gripe with that, with that beginning, because I do like, and this goes back to watching Alfred Hitchcock movies and what he loved doing in showing the dark underbelly of suburbia and what kind of crazy shit your neighbors are up to and all of that. <clears throat> and I think he was, he was calling out to that in a way, but I felt like it was totally unnecessary to have her there. I think if they would have done anything, just, jump right into these two or these three rather doing what they're doing and introducing them that way. And I think it kind of, it kind of gives you that little bit of, you know, that introduction that you need to be like, okay, because as you're trained as a viewer, these are probably going to be the people that are going to be here throughout the whole movie. So are you going to root for them? Or are you rooting against them? Um, <clears throat> but yeah, once they get inside, I, uh, I, I, I just like how quick money turns from being so sure of himself to the moment the blind guy keeps like walking up on him. He's like, man, I'm going to shoot you, man. I'm like, you pussy, you little bit. The guy can't even see you. Just pull the trigger. Like, what is wrong with you? Just do it. And he can't. He can't. He's such he's such a wimp. And he I, that was is a really good shot. And I'm not always one for, you know, slow motion and things like that. But that was a really good shot of the muzzle blowing up and you see the flash in his mouth. And I was like, 
Oh, I was like, I was surprised. Uh, Rocky didn't scream. She just has this like, like her breath draws in and she's just kind of frozen. Uh, and she holds that for a while. Like it, it takes a bit before blind guy realizes there's other people in the house. And I love this film excels in its sound design and sound editing. It is so well done. Uh, just little creaks, little, like the sounds of the the glass on Mia's shoe. Not Mia, goddamn wrong movie. Rocky's shoe when uh, she breaks in and like through the window, and it's just on her, and you just hear like, the click on the floorboards. Like that's so good. You're you're hearing things from his perspective. Like he hears everything that's different in his house. Oh yeah, totally. Um, I think something else that's really good and you keep hearing it throughout is um, it was part of the special features I was looking at. They were um, they were talking about when they were wanting to come up with the um, with the soundtrack for the movie. They actually found a guy who manufactured his own instruments, and they're like totally unconventional. And they produced a lot of the sounds that you hear throughout the entire movie. Um, some of them were like, uh, I think they were like pans, like cooking pans that were suspended. And then there was like a tank of water and they would be submerged at varying levels as they're being hit and moved up and down. And it's just, it was so crazy because it, what they were trying to say about it is how it was used to, um, essentially give the house its own sound, its own voice in a way. And like you said, with the sound design and all of that, it really, it really amps up and keeps you as the viewer more or less locked into the perspective of the blind man, because we're not going to experience things that way. Um, but he does. And then every little thing is amplified and tension is played so well. Like they sit the camera in certain spots and they are like calling their shot when they're like, yeah, she's getting ready to step on this floorboard and it's going to creak. But, and you know that, and you're just like, Oh shit, what's going to happen. Or one of my favorite shots was when Alex was coming back towards the front of the house and the blind man's coming back the other way and he sees him. And then he just, at the, almost at the same time as he's coming by him, he just glues himself to the wall and Blyman just goes right by him. Just like, oh, fuck. Yeah, just so many moments. And I really loved the steady cam work in this movie. It was so good and reminds you what a, what like, uh, so what's a good way to put it? like uh, I don't want to say like a living camera, but more like a, a more mobile camera, like what it does when it can move around and move a lot more freely than if it's on a crane or if it's on a dolly or things like that. And it's locked down. This gave it so much more energy in a way and really like pulled you into the movie. It's almost like you're in it and watching all this shit and you're getting pulled around the entire time. So much fun. Well, I think the pace of the camera helps transform the movie at various moments. Cause at first, you know, it's a slow paced heist and then it turns straight up into an escape movie. So the, the camera picks up in more of a frantic pace and now you're, you're there. I that's, that's really impressive filmmaking. Good stuff. 
Yeah, I mean that that's where I think this movie for me like total overall experience I'd probably be closer to you with what your rating is if not maybe go a little bit lower just because there are just two big moments that I was just like you know like at the beginning so I'm just like okay you're just telling me way too much I don't need to know this I don't think it's necessary and then the ending I'm like I don't know how necessary this part is that can be way more implied and still be just as brutal and upsetting than you actually trying to go there although I will say to its defense of including that bit, it does kind of, it does kind of get turned on its head. And, you know, when, when she does, um, you know, have him have a taste of his own medicine, so to speak, um, (laughs) that is, that's, that's kind of gratifying in a way. It's kind of like, well, you didn't go there and you kind of punctuated the fact that you didn't go there. But I w- it's just like eh, maybe a little bit of less is more at that point. However, everything else, like the sound design, the camera work, like a lot of the camera work is long takes, which I'm a huge fan of. I love those because they can they can really like reel you in and, and force you to pay attention and participate in what you're watching and then you know using tricks like hitchcock did in rope where he would zoom in on somebody's back to mask his cuts and things like that like those moments keep you engaged and keep you going and just they they don't give you ha 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 they don't give you a chance to breathe as a viewer they don't they don't let up and that as well as the the soundtrack with the way they use the instrumentation and stuff all of those other elements for me bring it back up that's why i rated it as high as i did because overall even the lighting the lighting is awesome which a fucking movie about a main character who's a blind guy you'd think the lighting why is that necessary it's great they went full style for all of that and i appreciate it yeah i think that, that was enough you know just bunch of kids break into a blind guy's house. He turns out to be like super territorial ex-military and wants to fuck them up. That's all you need. You don't need the extra evil. But on the other hand, when your heroes are the kids robbing a blind man, maybe you need to make your villain extra despicable just to even things out. So, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Well, I think it, I, I think it really it really forces you to pick a side. And then when you do pick a side, you find out, and I said it earlier, it's like you, you're betrayed by that choice because then you really discover who you're actually rooting for. And you're like, Oh shit, I did pick the wrong guy. Ah, damn it. Yeah. Yeah. Cause once the, once they find the girl chained up in the basement, we're in a different place. We are now dealing with a completely different movie and a completely different situation. Fuck the money. This is about survival now. And that moment where they open the storm cellar and he's right fucking there completely caught me off guard this time and made me jump a little bit. I thought that was really cool. Oh yeah. Well, so in, in a weird way, like he does kind of have these ethereal like slasher qualities where he's like, he's everywhere and nowhere all at the same time. And you have no, and then especially when he gets them, in the basement and then he turns the lights up that whole sequence amazing amazing and i 
I wish I could have seen it in a theater for that alone, because how, how often do you have that happen where they totally take out any visual whatsoever? And then what they do give you is terrifying because now you see everything and they see nothing. And you're just like, Oh shit. <laughs> well, I love when in those scenes of darkness, when Stephen Lang is just running through the, like the maze of his basement, just like hitting certain landmarks he knows about. So he knows he's going in the right direction. He does like, his pace doesn't change at all. He's like a fucking Raptor. <laughs> it's, it's cool. I love that. Like predatory, like way he hunts them in pure darkness it was so creepy i want to know like who the hell was this guy when he like when he could see like when he was a soldier like what what turned him into this i would also i mean i would venture to guess that when they come out with his backstory which i'm sure is going to be revealed in the sequel that he if he doesn't have a special forces background of some kind i i will be shocked because those kinds of people are trained to excel in the most extreme environments and you are you're you're taught to be so laser focused on accomplishing your goal that you will literally do anything to make it happen and i think i think that definitely has something to to say about his background and like i said i, I wouldn't be surprised if he was if he had some kind of you know whether he was a green beret or something. I think they said he was in the army or something, right? Yeah. They say he's a Gulf war vet who yeah, lost yeah. his eyesight when a grenade went off in front of him. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. I, I definitely think it's, it's, it's gotta be, it's gotta be because the fact that like he could point a gun in the direction that he hears something and almost always like take somebody out. I think it's pretty damn awesome. <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's weird. There's moments where this guy's like a complete and total badass, but everything he's done is so fucking evil that it's so hard to give him props. And it looks like 2 is going to shake that up a little bit. The trailer gives you this anti-hero vibe that he's like, he's the guy you're rooting for this time, which I think is kind of fucked up. I hope that's not true. But that's just the vibe the trailer was giving off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I definitely think it kind of is putting you in that position where you have to make a choice and, and either you're going to be with this guy and crazy morals aside and, and what happened to him to get him to that point. I think it's, it's still very hard to have real sympathy for this guy because yeah, like is he lost his daughter. Like that's a very sad thing. Um, the means to which he is trying to atone for all of that, I, I I can't get behind <laughs> even even being a parent myself like I you just you're just crossing a line that you can never come back from and I am kind of wondered wondering rather who that little girl is where she came from because that that says a lot and that that that, that has me asking some questions because it looks like she's helping him and I don't even want to know I, I don't like did he find a girl did he lock her up did he inseminate her did she give birth and he's just been raising this girl for the past five six years yeah oh my god maybe fuck maybe that's what the, the people breaking into the house are like you know we know what he did we got to get you out of here like ooh, 
this could be really cool. I the more I talk about this, the more I'm like, I want to see this sequel. Well, I mean, especially if she's got like Stockholm syndrome and she's like, no, I'm I'm on his side. I think it's gonna. Be, I think she's just completely in the dark over how she got here. I think that he, you know, he said maybe her mother died and that's all she needs to know. Like, there's going to be an interesting dynamic for sure. Oh, totally. Uh, so the whole, I wonder what his plan was if like a guy ran over his kid. Like, what would the plan be there? Because I don't know. We think. You don't want to know what I think. <laughs> oh, my God. Is no, no, I was gonna say, have you ever um have you ever watched any of the uh Tenacious D shows from HBO days that they used to do a comedy show on there and they released a uh, collection and they had a section that was all short short films and one of them was titled Butt Baby. Okay. Take that as you will. <laughs> it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. Like if we ever, if we ever, if the, the four of us ever get together, I'll have to make sure I, I bring that DVD with me. And that is, it's an experience. I'll put it like that. Fuck. It's ridiculous. And it's totally fucking hilarious, but it is an experience. <laughs> it, yeah, I can imagine the whole idea of, you know, kidnapping the, the, the girl who accidentally killed your child and then just keeping her in the basement while you inseminate her and wait is beyond fucked up. But then to accidentally kill her and then take this other girl who's been robbing your house and lock her up and just start from scratch. Like, oh my God. Um, and this is the part that takes me out of the movie where I... I just can't get over this. It's so over the top evil and impossible to redeem this character in any way. And just, you know, the taking the sperm out of the fridge and like heating it up on the stove. Like what the fuck? I, that shit's dead. <laughs> I'm pretty hey. sure that's not how they work at a sperm bank. Hey, I am no doctor. And I look, there's anybody that listens to this show and wants to tell Connor the, the, the hows and whys of sperm storage, email filmgasm at gmail.com. Or you can hit us up on Twitter at filmgasm or me uh, at zombie killer. Uh, and yeah, let, let us know because apparently Connor really wants to know if that is <laughs> accurate. I, I, I'm just pretty sure it's not. You can't just keep your, your jizz in a fucking mini fridge in the basement and then heat it up on the stove like a cup of soup. You can't do that. Well, hey, look, he's a blind guy. He's definitely not reading the directions on how to do this. I'm just saying. Well, I think like she didn't look like the first girl did not look pregnant. Like, I don't think these are I don't think it's taken. I think he's injecting dead sperm into these women. Uh, hey, like I said. He doesn't know. He can't <laughs> see. Oh God. Ugh. But it's so Do you ever wonder if he like holds it up to his ear to hear if they're swimming? Oh God. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> oh, that's fucked up. <laughs> I mean, come on, he's got superhuman senses other ways. He's like a rapey daredevil. Like, come on. 
Rapey Daredevil. Oh, there's an alternate title for you. <laughs> Jesus Christ. That's fantastic. <laughs> oh, you're right, though. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's creepy, the whole, like, pulley system he has worked out for this. Like, this required a lot of planning, a lot of thought, a lot of, like, construction commitments. <laughs> and he's got, you know, he has her, like, he has a uh, Rocky like tilted in a certain way so that she's, you know, facing the right direction and then just like starts snipping her pants open. Like, fuck man, it gets close. Like it gets too fucking close. You know what I'm saying like, it just like, is he gonna, is it gonna, Oh my God, he's gonna do it. Oh no. <sighs> yeah. Like, and then his promise of like in nine months, I give your life back. Like she's just going to go home. Yeah. And yeah. like, yeah, it's fine. It's fine. I've been chained up like a cow. I'm just hanging out in your weird fucking basement insemination lab. No, you don't. You don't just get up and walk away from that. He literally thinks that they're going to like, he's just going to unlock her and be like, we're cool. Right. And she'll be like, yeah. And just go home. And that'll be the end of it. That was that's that was his plan with the first girl. <laughs> it's He's so broken from his daughter's death that he's barely a human being anymore. And he is willing to do whatever it takes to even try to have a child again. He doesn't care of the repercussions or what he has to do to get there. It's all about the goal of having a child. It's so twisted. And I'm so glad Alex showed up with a hammer and just fucked him up. And then Rocky's just like, you fucking bastard, just starts kicking him. Like, yeah, right? yeah. Jesus. <laughs> it was, um, did you see that they did a Hulu movie a couple uh, months ago called False Positive? With I the, have not. I do want to see that, though. It was, it's, it's kind of Rosemary's Baby meets Don't Breathe. It's, it's not great. It was, in fact, it's pretty bad. <laughs> but there's a similar scene to that in False Positive. And I wonder if they were if aware of that. Perhaps. I mean, I think I think sometimes even if a movie doesn't land completely, you know, in, in terms of how you experience it, I think that's for me, at least that's when I start looking at some of the some of the themes and stuff that they're talking about. And I think one of the things I, I picked up on that from what I've heard is. Number one, it was written by Alana Glazer. So it was written from a woman's perspective. And it's kind of, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but it's kind of talking a lot about a woman's right to choose and like having some kind of control over her body and things like that. Um, which I think, again, while it may not have, may not have worked for you, I think, I think the fact that these kinds of ideas are finding their way into horror movies is, is a really good thing. Cause I think it's, it's taking other people's perspectives and, and other, and, and other things that are terrifying to them and, and plugging it into the, the, the genre is, is a really great way to have some, pardon my, pardon my, we're having some fun with these kinds of things. Um, and, and, and allowing us, the viewer to, to see them. <clears throat> and maybe, maybe if, if nothing else, you are having a conversation afterwards. 
That's true. I do think I, I like when different, uh, you know, kinds of people get to take their own approach on different, you know, familiar themes. You get a different perspective on it. I, I do like that. False positive. I can't really speak that much on it because when I did watch it and when I did record the sneak preview on it, I was in Caleb's apartment cooking like a potato. So I don't remember much of it, <laughs> but I remember thinking like this could have been better. It was very confusing, very ethereal. There was like, you know, what you, you're not sure if that really happened or if this person even exists. It was one of those kind of movies. Uh, so I didn't care for it that much. But again, I was, you know, in 108 degree weather for getting my own middle name. So maybe I need to watch it again. Perhaps. And I will use this moment to plug um, one of the uh, Hulu Into the Dark um, films that they made. It was called All That We Destroy. And that is another one where um, the director was uh, Chelsea Stardust. She also directed um, Satanic Panic that came out. Yeah. Bitchin' Soundtrack by the Wolfman of Mars. Love them. Um, that's another one that talks about like parenting and what, you know, what would you do if your child turned out to kind of be a monster and all that stuff. So it's, it's a really interesting um, idea. Cause I think the mother in that is like a genetic scientist or something. And she keeps like cloning this one girl to satisfy her son's killer impulses. And Jesus. yeah. Yeah. So just think about that for a second. And then like, it just, it, it goes from there and it's really well done. I think um, it's got some really good um, cinematography in there. So it, it, it probably looks more expensive than it was, but I think it's, I think it's really interesting. I think if I'm not mistaken. The mom. I thought it was no, her name's Samantha Mathis. I mean, you might recognize her face, but um, I know that name. I've heard that name. Hold on. Let me pull up her face real quick. Samantha Mathis. Do, 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 do. This is the hold music. Do, 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 do. Can you see? Um, yeah, I know. She, I've heard. I've seen her before. Yeah. Hmm. What have I seen her in? Um, I, I Broken don't know. Arrow. The Punisher. That's what it was. She was fucking Princess fucking Peach in the Super Mario Brothers movie. <laughs> Get the fuck out of here. I wonder if she considers that a career highlight. I mean, she got to work with Dennis Hopper. I would hope so. <laughs> yeah, true. And Bob Hoskins and John Leguizamo. Yep. That's, that's pretty cool. I mean, come on. If I'm having a party, Dennis Hopper's got to be there. And John Leguizamo, oh, yeah. I mean, that guy right there alone, you could have, like, 12 other guests with all the characters he can play. Fucking love John Leguizamo. Yeah. Um, do you ever see 2013's The Harvest? No. That movie, again, in the similar vein of, you know, being a parent and, like, motherhood. and It's uh, Michael Shannon and Samantha Morton, and it's a very twisted film. Uh, a little bit more of a drama, but it definitely, the, the third act pulls it right into horror. And uh, 
it's pretty entertaining. It's this couple has this kid who's like six years old, has a lot of ailments, and he wants to go outside to play with this new girl who moved in next door. But his parents are like, absolutely not. You don't go outside. And he sneaks outside and realizes like, hey, nothing's happening to me. There's nothing wrong with outside. Like, why can't I go outside? And then like once it's revealed what's going on, you're like, oh, shit, that's why you can't go outside. And uh, it's not bad. I think I gave it a seven. Not bad. I like movies that kind of screw with, you know, the miracle of childbirth. They take, you know, the, the magic out and just make it some sick, twisted shit. Yeah, no, I mean, okay, so the guy that directed it is John McNaughton, who also made a quaint little buddy movie called Henry, Portrait of a Serial Killer. <laughs> Have not quite gotten to that one. Still working up the courage for Henry. I think if you don't watch that with friends, you need to watch that completely by yourself and then take a shower once you're done. So you're saying I shouldn't go to my family's place and just put that on casually while my, while my mom's at work. Like she works from home. So I just go into her office, put on Henry and just chill. Shouldn't do it. I, that mean, way. Un- I mean, unless you want to have another awkward movie moment with your mom, choice is yours. I mean, All right. I think I'll watch it with my grandparents. That'll go well. Yeah, no, I could totally, I could totally imagine your, your grandfather sitting there just going. Mm. Mm. <laughs> Just, you heard that episode, huh? Of course I did. <laughs> Grunting his dissatisfaction. Three movies in a row. I took him to see The Green Knight, too. And again, he was like, why do you keep taking me to these movies? And I'm like, <laughs> it's not my fault. <laughs> so I got to find something that's just fun and ridiculous. I might take him to see Suicide Squad this week just for the hell of it. <laughs> hey, look. Tell him it's either going to be weird jerk off movies about knights or giant starfishes that fucking open up and flap out little baby dips to, you know like it's one or the other you'll probably just want to stay home <laughs> probably just be like i don't want to go <laughs> oh my god yeah i got it's just been weird shit's been coming out the past few weeks uh <laughs> the I forgot where we were and don't breathe uh turkey baster uh i think the hair in the little cocktail so to speak was a little much yeah Yeah, i can do it too (laughs) (laughs) no i don't think that was too much at all i think that added to the realism connor come on oh god (laughs) it looks so old and like yellow Hmm. like this is imagine that Oh, God. been hanging around for a while <laughs> <laughs> oh god like this is and there was know. a lot in there too <laughs> yeah it's like he just took care of business in like a, a week threw it all into a fridge and then like six years later has not yet replenished the fridge yeah. and he's just holding on to it looks like sour milk Ugh. it smells like it too Ugh. I'm gonna leave that one there. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna ask any questions. Move oh. on. Well, he gets the turkey baster full cum shoved down his throat, and that's a great little thing to say. <laughs> Sentence I never thought I'd say in my life. That's for sure. Like I said, that was a great exclamation point for the whole. You know what? Why don't you have some of this? Oh, God. And then they try to get out, and 
Alex gets shot because they don't just he, – well, if he'd taken the time to unlock the front door fully, she would have gotten the turkey baster up there. So I guess there was no good way out of this because uh, he gets shot right when they open the door. And she, take, she takes off, takes one last moment to go to him, like, hey, you can't do shit out here. And then the dog chases after her. Like, just, just run, lady. Stop testing fate and just go. Yeah. I think I, I think one thing they did really good with, excuse me, while they were inside was that whenever the blind guy wasn't around, it was the dog's turn to go and harass him like that. It was just so unrelenting. And I I really appreciated that because they could have like they could have had more shots of people covering their fucking mouth with their hands and not making a sound. And all that, but no, you just, they kept coming at him, kept coming at him, kept coming at him. Really enjoyed that. And yeah, of course, why are you going to do that? Why? Why are you going to brag when you're not even on the other side of town yet? <laughs> you know, nobody came and picked you up and put you in the back of your truck so you can scream and laugh and know that you got away. No, 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 no. You, you run, run. I love all the Texas chainsaw references just, you know, peppered throughout this episode. Appropriate. It's almost um, like we're foreshadowing. Ooh, maybe. Uh, the whole scene with her in the car and the dog, I feel like was kind of just adding time. I feel like we didn't need that. And then for him to just pop out like fucking Jason Voorhees and then just grab her. Like, how, how did he? I guess he followed the dog's barking. But it just felt like a unnecessary, like, ha, I, I really got you, but not really kind of last horror movie sting we didn't really need. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think if, I think if nothing else, it, it only served to show how resourceful she is and how smart she was to be able to at least attempt to try and trap that dog. Um, yeah. It just, I don't know. I think, I think she should have understood that th the keys weren't going to be in there. Come on seriously you think you think it was gonna after everything you've gone through this entire time is it gonna be that easy money had the keys like yeah of course i also thought it was funny the blind guy didn't i don't think he let his dog out of the trunk no i don't think he did either <laughs> like he like that dog's just gonna follow him home he doesn't need to carry her and the dog so that was just like a almost punishment like you didn't do the job so you get to sit there for a while think about what you did and then she has this mo like this ladybug moment where she's like looking at the ladybug and that somehow rejuvenates her. And she's just like, I can do it. And thankfully there's a conveniently placed remote right next to her. And she picks that up and is like, bah, just like daredevil, rapey daredevil. That's all I'm going to see this guy as now. <laughs> You're welcome. Then kicks him down the basement that has no stairs. I want Why does the basement not have stairs? Uh, so the girl can't get out. She can climb a ladder. But that ladder is like, it's a retractable one, I thought. Maybe. I don't remember. I don't recall that. But maybe. I don't know. Maybe it's just creepy. It's creepy. Oh, I mean, it's, yeah. 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 Maybe he doesn't want the dog going down there. <laughs> I, I, as a pet owner, I a lot of what I do revolves around like, what is like, is my cat going to get into this? Like, should I really buy this? So maybe he, he has to do that too. Like, is my dog? Oh, no. 
just wait, just wait. The the bigger Seymour gets, the 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 less protection your stuff has. All that stuff on shelves, get ready. He's just gonna jump up there and just start knocking shit over. Oh, he does that already. It's a- yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, I just love picturing this. Like he's like he gets the ladder and he's like, now the dog won't get into my weird rape dungeon. Like that's a good solution. Well, good good job, blind man. Like he's giving himself props. Uh, yeah, and in the end. In the end, of course, blind man's not dead. You can't kill evil. That's the whole thing. Even though, like a seventy-year-old blind dude, with, they taking that kind of fall and getting shot in the side, probably not waking up. Oh no, of course not. Of course not. No, because uh, he went squish when he fell. You heard that? I was like, eh, he, he he something punctured something. <laughs> He's not breathing and his eyes are wide open. He is, he's dead. But no, he makes it out. And he's proclaimed as a hero by the media, this blind vet who fought off two robbers. Well, of course. I mean, that's a great story. Are you kidding me? Yeah. And, and, and not only that, I think, I think the only part that like, I, I enjoyed out of that whole ending was kind of when they're wheeling him into the ambulance and they're like, and he hasn't, he hasn't said anything has been stolen or whatever. And it's like, ah, I think he's I think he's trying to give her a little wink and be like, oh, I know. I know you're out there. I'll get you. Oh, he, he fucking would. He's relentless. One little bit I did want to bring up after the first girl, Cindy, dies, he puts her in a box and like fills it with like embalming fluid or something like to preserve I, her. I thought it was like either cement at first or maybe like used oil or something like it was was really thick and almost black and it she's just in a hole you're just in a hole like well i think like that was his his exit strategy like once she gave birth she was going in that hole like i don't think he was ever going to let her out yeah i don't think so i'm he could have he could have said anything and everything he wanted to get her to cooperate. But I'm pretty sure he's not. What's he going to do? Drive her around the, down the corner and drop her off. Well, he didn't have a car. Like, come on. God, no. As soon as she got home, like it's going to be, you know, there's going to be a massive investigation. She's going to tell them everything. That guy's going to prison. Like he knew that it's, She's connected. That's the whole point. That's how she got off. She's connected. And I don't know. It's just, it was a weird little detail. Like then he, he hides it under his floor. He has like a tile, like it's a trap door with a oily body in it now. Just odd. And I don't even think they even brought up like there, there, there was no mention at all of like how long she's been there or that like people were even looking for her. That was kind of a little thread that I was just like, I don't know how you acknowledge it, but then you're still just like, how the fuck has she been down there? Like, well, she had to have been down there for like at least under four or five months because I don't think she wasn't showing. So this had to have been a pretty recent abduction. Yeah. Unless perhaps I was right and the sperm's dead. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. 
Are you going to start Googling how long sperm's alive? Is, 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 is that where this conversation's going? I don't need to end up on that kind of search list. So I'm going to go ahead and not do that. <laughs> well, if anybody wants to give Connor that information, you can email us at filmgasm at gmail.com. 149 episodes and that's the feedback I finally start getting. I don't know if I want that. <laughs> hey, look, it might not be the feedback we want, but it's the feedback we're going to get. I'm just saying. Oh, my God. I'm just picturing like listeners who have been like waiting for us to bring up like old jizz and are like, oh, I got tons of factoids for you. This is my moment. <laughs> honey, honey, I've got the notes. Yeah, yeah. I'm... <laughs> God. Oh, boy. Um, so here's I have one filmgasm fact for you because trivia is pretty light with this movie for some reason. The creators of the film initially had an even darker ending in mind. Rocky was not supposed to make it out of the house. Instead, the blind man locks her up in a cell. And even though the cops come to investigate the burglary, they miss the door to her cell. So she just ends up trapped in the blind man's house forever. She's going to be inseminated whether she likes it or not. Uh, the writers thought this ending was too downbeat, so they changed it to Rocky escaping. Because, of course, you got to have that Hollywood ending. Because after all that shit, she, she's got to get out of there alive. I don't think I'm glad they didn't use this ending. That's that would have been just too fucking bleak. Uh, yeah. Uh, don't breathe. Don't, don't breathe. Two's plot is being kept under wraps. But judging from the trailer, looks like the blind man's taken on a gang of thugs who know all about him and are actively trying to stop him. Or, you know, I could be wrong. It's being directed by Rudo Sayagus. Sorry who co-wrote the first film with Alvarez. This will be his directorial debut. So they're keeping it in the family, so to speak. Uh, Alvarez, I think, wrote and is producing this. Uh, I think he's putting most of his creative juices into the Texas Chainsaw reboot. Uh, but, you know, this looks promising. Uh, I honestly didn't think this was going to happen this year. Uh, we didn't get a trailer until, like, less than a month ago. And I assumed because everything else got pushed, this was going to get pushed. But here we are. I mean, there could be worse things to go see on a Friday the 13th, but, you know. Oh, fuck, yeah, you're right. I didn't even realize that. <laughs> Look, man, I always, I always check out. And little, little fun fact, since, uh, you know, you guys were talking about Calendar Man and whatnot uh, <laughs> on, uh, on the sneak preview, every month that starts on a Sunday has a Friday the 13th. Awesome. Keep that in mind. We've yet to do Friday the 13th on this podcast. 150 episodes in, we haven't touched Freddie or Jason. Uh, might have to change that next year. I, so I would be all about that. Um, I mean, along with, you know, you know to, to tie this back around, got to get on the Evil Dead. Like, yeah. those, like that movie in and of itself is, is something else. I think... I think talking about Friday the 13th would be really good because you have a strong opinion about it. And I think that makes for a really good conversation. Um, for me, I kind of like, I kind of, I kind of like the, I like things about it that kind of spoke to what the time was and how movies got made, but then also some of the careers that got launched because of it. That's in terms true. of like, in terms of like what it is, 
it can kind of get lost in the sauce as far as like, you know, horror movies that came out around that time, slashers in general. Um, <clears throat> however, it's one of those that you can't really, you can't really downplay its, its significance in what it meant during that time. I think, I think the door that it opened and what came through after it, infinitely more interesting than, than just that. That's true. But it was a movie that straight up had like a Roger Corman approach to it. You know, Sean Cunningham put the ad in the paper before there was even a script. And that's how that movie came to be. You know, like it was, it, it, it was promising something that nobody knew what the hell it was going to be. And to this day, the fact that it's still being talked about, not just because of what it is as a movie, but the fact that like it's being argued between Sean Cunningham and um, the, the writer. Um, oh God, what's his last name? Victor. Um, never mind. It's escaping me and, I, and I'm an asshole now. Um, but those two um, bringing out a bunch of uh, issues with copyright law and kind of what it means for a writer to get credit for something. So I think it's, it's an interesting case study, if nothing else. That's yeah, you got a point there. I <laughs> I don't remember where it was. It was sneak preview or film gasm was recent, like in the past month or so. I, I kind of exploded. I went off on Friday the 13th. <laughs> and uh, maybe maybe it was a little too harsh. I'll admit that. Uh there are film, I've only seen all of them once and they were all within like two days of each other. It was a long, it was a marathon Caleb made me do. So maybe I need to explore them as individual films and maybe I'll find something to like about them that way. Yeah. I, so where I really started to enjoy them and have a lot more fun with them was probably by the fourth one. And, and especially Jason lives. That's probably like my, my all time favorite Friday the 13th movie, because I think it, while it goes against the grain in, in terms of it not really having any nudity, it's got some really over the top kills to where it's almost like bordering on like pushing the boundaries of into horror comedy. It's very self-aware as well. And it's also kind of poking fun at itself at the same time. Um, yeah, it's definitely one of my favorites. Well, 2022 has definitely got to be, the year where we tackled at least one of them, Jason or Freddy. We've done a couple of Michael's adventures. We got to, we got to start going into those guys and who knows, you know, the way we're going to be selecting films from here on out, maybe, uh, you know, one of you guys will bring in nightmare or Friday, whatever you want to do. And we'll do it that way. We'll find out. Maybe the book will make us do it. I'm all about. Yeah. Yeah. The book's got to start giving us something. (laughs) No, I'm kidding. The book provides. The book giveth, the book taketh away. Uh, so I gave Don't Breathe a seven. There's a lot I like about it, but turkey based or insemination shit is just too much for me. I, I think it's unnecessary and really is just a, it's fucking gross. Uh, I gave it an eight, um, and I alluded to it earlier. I think a lot of the other um, 
elements of its construction with the camera work, creating um, a, a very immersive experience for the viewer. Um, also being able to frame a lot of the tension, um, the lighting, the, uh, the sound design and the soundtrack are really strong. And I think lift it from such a simple idea and, and give you a, a real experience for all of your senses including your gag reflex. <laughs> yeah, you're not wrong there. It's a pretty immersive film and it is well-constructed. And uh, I don't know, maybe part two will have less old man jizz and I'll be able to enjoy this one a little bit more. I guess we'll see. One can only hope. <laughs> Thanks for listening, everybody. Especially if you've been with us since the beginning, back when my nervous ass was talking about The Shining all by myself. Feels like a lifetime ago. <laughs> Uh, we've come a long way in 150 episodes from like we got a permanent four man team, three additional podcasts under the film guys umbrella, Oscar Sunday, the sneak preview and guys who giggle got more on the horizon. Talk more about that later in the year. Next week, it's time to celebrate 150 episodes properly with a film we talked about doing for years now, but we're waiting for the right moment. And this certainly feels like the right moment. Admittedly, it's a film I can't stand a film I once gave a three out of 10 score. <laughs> But it's one that's beloved by the horror community and at least half of the team. And I feel it deserves a second chance. So next week, we're covering the Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2 from 1986. And when I say we, I mean myself, Josh, Caleb, and Austin. The whole damn team together for the first time. So excited. <laughs> this is going to be a blast. Uh Barring any acts of God or last-minute scheduling conflicts, we'll have the whole Filmgasm team together to celebrate 150 episodes and toast one of the most divisive horror sequels of all time. It's going to be an absolute blast, and I cannot wait. Uh, so tune in next week for 150 episodes. <laughs> it's going to be fun. Until then, don't break into a blind man's house because he might be a psycho, and also that's just a complete dick move. And keep watching movies. Thank <laughs> you.